we started this series the first Sunday in June, and we finish it today. It was only 16 weeks long, but that's been like 26 or 27 weeks, so we had a few breaks in there. But uh, what I'd like to do today is actually read all of what we've covered, and I'll start at 52.13 and read through to the end of chapter 53, and uh, I'll try not to hurry. Uh, Sometimes when you read a lot, you try to get going too fast, but uh, I want us to appreciate what is being said here. I'll start at Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this word uh, from Isaiah uh, that was initially written uh, probably 2,700 years ago and uh, yet fulfilled uh, roughly 2,000 years ago in the uh, incarnation of Christ and his suffering and death on the cross. And so, Father, we thank you that we are at this vantage point. We can look back and see so much has transpired, uh, so many generations 
Uh, so many nations have risen and fell during this period, and yet uh, we stand at a point where we can look back upon all that you have done and give you thanks and praise for it. And we pray now, Lord, that you would uh, come to us, that we would uh, enjoy this uh, celebration as you intended it to be celebrated. And we ask you to be with us, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So now, uh, that was a long reading, but I actually still want to briefly go through the messages that we've done here. And now, when I produce these messages, each one was one word. And so I'll just read the word and give you just a highlight of what we covered at that point. Uh, the first one was servant. And so uh, we tend to focus on this series as suffering servant. And so we could tend to overlook the word servant because we're focusing so much on the adjective suffering. And yet uh, he was our servant and he is our example that we're to follow. Uh, and the very first thing that we started with here actually is a picture of the future. And it was his exaltation. Right there in Isaiah 52, 13, we start with his exaltation. And so uh, then we have hope, uh, his hope and our hope. And hope is something that we talked about as absolutely being required. And without hope, people die. Without hope, people give up. So God gave Christ hope. And so he could see what was coming in the future, what is beyond this world. And so he was motivated by that hope. And in the same way, we are motivated by the hope that we live with. Uh, then we go down into the depths, uh, torture, uh, humiliation, uh, and both of those because he was God and we are in his image. And so all of the torture and humiliation of people we see on this earth is because we're made in the image of God. And people don't like that. They want to destroy that in us. And so they attempt to take it through torture and humiliation. And yet, right in the midst of that, the first uh, verse coming out of that is where the plan is revealed. And that is this plan for Christ to become man, this plan for Christ to take our place. And this is a remarkable plan because this is something that man's mind could not have conceived. Uh, all other earthly religions pale by comparison in creativity to God's religion. Uh, then we have his humility. We have him being ignored largely because he is so humble. Uh, you know, it says a bent reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. Uh, he came not as the son of God, not as the conqueror of the world, but as the servant of the world. And it was easy to overlook him. He was ordinary. This is the carpenter's son, right? He's a nobody. How could he be having this wisdom? How could he be leading so many people? And then we have him being despised both by God and by us. We have him being afflicted both by God and by us, the people he came to save. And yet he was silent, no complaining. Uh, he was our substitute, our sacrificial lamb. And then he was buried. And we talked about how Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea both risked their status. They risked their wealth, their position in their nations to stand up for Christ, to, to claim his body in accordance with Scripture. So that brings us to today. And today we have it coming full circle. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with strong. 
So in these two verses, beginning with the word therefore, really, I believe, is is summing up not just a previous thought, but all the previous thoughts, everything that I've read here, that's what he's summing up. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Now, you have to remember that Isaiah is writing this as a prophecy. He's writing this not even knowing what he's writing about. And he's writing to a people who must understand it, who must fit it into their worldview, right? And so who is he writing to? Isaiah lived at the demise of the northern kingdom. He lived around 700 AD when he uh, comforted Hezekiah, the king of the southern kingdom, when Assyria, who had just conquered the northern kingdom and taken them into captivity, you're next. And I mean, he brings hundreds of thousands of troops and besieges Jerusalem. And Hezekiah takes the letter from Sennacherib and sits it out before God. Say, I can't do anything, God. You better do this if we're going to survive this, right? That's what what, uh, Hezekiah does. He admits his frailty as a man, as a king even. But he can't do anything, not with Sennacherib's army there on, on on the fringes of Jerusalem, having conquered some of the fortified cities already. And yet that very night, God kills 185,000 of these soldiers by the angel of the Lord. So this is the world that these people understood, a very brutal world, a world in which kings conquer and take captives. They sell everybody into slavery. What had just happened to the northern kingdom when Samaria was conquered is they took all of the Samaritan people out and spread them throughout all the lands of the Assyrians that they had conquered. And they brought all these other people in to populate the cities that they had just emptied out. So see, that's what happened in the northern kingdom, and that's what was going to happen in the southern kingdom. And so right at that time, this is what Isaiah has written. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. This is Jesus we're talking about, and this is the prophecy concerning this greatest of kings. He will be the one that comes and gets the spoil. And this is all, all the more, this is a kind king. This is a Jewish king that we're talking about. And so he's our king. He's going to be our king. Now, this is what these people understood. And then we go on to the next one, and we have a because. So the last verse here is very simple. We have therefore, and we have two thoughts. And then we have because, and we have four thoughts. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because... And now we have four summary statements concerning all of what I just summarized. And these summary statements are, he poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors, he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Now, if you think about this, because he poured out his soul unto death, that is the action of a servant. That is the action of someone who's sacrificing. And the Jews were familiar with this too, not so much during the time of the kings, but during the previous period, during the time of the judges. That's exactly how God interacted with them, through the judges. He would raise up these judges to lead them and save them, sacrificing themselves often. Think of Samson. Now, granted, Samson was very proud and he ended up losing his vision. He lost his freedom, and yet he's enslaved and and, and chained up Yet in his death, he took out more Philistines than he had in his life because he had his arms on those pillars and knocked them down. And see, that's a sacrificial death. He's destroying 
God's enemies in this action of sacrificing himself. And Jesus had said, I lay down my life. My life is not taken from me. Even though he was crucified, even though he did this, it was his own voluntary action that led to that. And now we come to the last three sentences. And I think that first one, because he poured out his soul into death, is kind of like a transition. And then he was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. First, he was numbered with them. He was one of them. And who is them? Them is us. So he's us. He was one of us. He became a man. And this is explicitly speaking about the incarnation, about this powerful God this powerful Savior became a man. He was numbered with us. And he bore the sins of many. And here I think it would have been easy to write, he bore the sins of all, but it's not the case. He bore the sins of the many. He made intercession for the transgressors. And so though he was numbered with them, he pleaded for them. And so he was, he was the one among the many because he was the one whose voice could be heard. So now at the table today, uh, we honor Jesus, suffering servant. And I always like to remind people, as it comes to me, that uh, we, many in this world, remember Jesus as what? On a cross. The suffering servant, he's on a cross. That's how many people think of Jesus. But that isn't how Jesus is coming back. He's going to be mounted on a militant steed, in his second coming, he comes as a triumphant king, as a majestic master of all the world. And so when we come to this table, we come celebrating Christ's death. We come celebrating the man on the cross. But we look forward to the man on the horse. So let's pray. Lord, we ask you to be with us. Uh, please fire our imaginations uh, for just who Jesus is and who he will be. Uh, when we see him, all the world sees him return. Uh, we thank you, Father, for the uh, prayer of supplication earlier where we prayed for the uh, suffering church. And we do long to see your kingdom come, uh, long to see these prophecies all fulfilled. Uh, we thank you, Father, that you have fulfilled so many uh, concerning the, uh, Christ's first coming. And we thank you, Lord, that we can look to your word in confidence and to your Holy Spirit uh, in power in bringing about the fulfillment of all that remain. We ask you to now bless this uh, celebration to our bodies and to our spirits. In Christ's name we give you thanks. Amen.